The greatest love is to tell someone the truth about life when they're dying. The greatest form of love would be to tell somebody who's dying how it is to live forever. Today's number six in our series through 1 John. And I want you to think about the context, and I want you to think about what we've covered, because he's writing this as a letter of instruction. So the first session was the word of life. It all begins there. The second session was the message of light inside the word of life, so you don't have to live in the darkness. The third message was the truth about righteousness, the truth about being right so that you're not wrong and think you're right. The next message was about the new old commandment, which is love from the beginning. It's all because of love. And then last week, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't love this world or anything the world offers you because the love of the Father is not in you. Don't do it. There's a deception. Don't trade today for the last day. And it is in that context. Now, I bring those up, and it's building up in that context. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't love the world. That John reveals two things. The spirit of Antichrist and the person of Antichrist. Don't follow them. Don't do it. Whatever happens, don't do it. You'll never understand John taking the time to introduce the spirit of Antichrist and Antichrist until you get the context surrounding it. Do not love this world. Don't listen to that voice that tells you that this is it. Don't do it. So I'm going to give you the context. I'm going to back up to verse 15, cover what we did last week, and then jump into the next topic. So let's go to verse 15, chapter 2. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love this world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements, pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. If they're not from the Father, then where are they from? That's what this is about. If they're not from the Father, but they are from this world, and this world is fading away. Along with everything that people crave, it's fading away. What was our text last week? I kept saying over and over, the darkness is disappearing, but the true light has begun to shine. All the, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases the Lord will live forever. These are not from the Father. They're from the world. If they're not from the Father, then where are they from? Can the world give you these desires? Can the world make you desire certain things or think a certain way? No, it's not the world. It's the one in charge of the world. So here we go. Part six, First John series, the Antichrist is coming. And I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it through the series. If you come and you don't like the sermon topics from this First John series, send the Apostle John an email, see what happens. 
And by the way, they seem to be correlating, converging with the root study, and I didn't plan that either. That just seems to be happening. I'll give the Holy Spirit credit on that one. Verse 18, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, when they left the churches, when they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. So let's break this down piece by piece. He begins with dear children. John is talking to believers. He's only talking to believers. And what does he say to the believers? There are people leaving the churches in this antichrist last hour scene. Listen carefully. There are people departing from the church. And in the context of the Antichrist last hour scene. And it is a sign of apostasy. Now that's a word that means a sign of people falling away from that which they previously had been connected to. They were in the church. They believed the church doctrine. They believed the word. And something happened. And he connects this. They were with us, but they left from us. And this is how you know it's the last hour. And by the way, the Antichrist is coming. Unbelievers are never going to get this. Unless they become believers. Why? Now here comes the foundation for everything today. You don't get this, you're not going to get the rest of it. Unbelievers are not going to get it. Unless they become believers, why? Jesus answers the why before he returned to the Father in heaven. It's in the Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 12. And here's what Jesus says. There is so much more I want to tell you. Now, he's talking to his disciples. There's so much. Can you imagine how much he could tell you? He's from heaven. He's eternal. There's so much more I would like to tell you, but, but you can't handle it. You can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, here it comes. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, pause for a minute. What's the topic today? There's a spirit of Antichrist. And Jesus says, one day in the future, and he's talking to, before he leaves, the spirit of truth's going to come. So you've got this spirit of Antichrist over here talking to you, and you've got this spirit of truth over here talking to you. You've got, you got two spirits with conflicting views, okay? Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. So this spirit that Jesus is talking about is coming to tell believers what Jesus wants communicated to the church in the last days. He will tell you about the future. Huh? The Spirit will come and tell you about the future. He will bring me, and this is Jesus talking, this Spirit of truth, this Holy Spirit, will bring me glory by telling you, church, whatever He receives from me. 
So the Spirit is the conduit through the person through which Jesus in heaven at the right hand of the Father is going to communicate to the church in the church age. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. Now, there's the foundation to where we're heading. Dear children, and here comes John. Dear children, the last hour is here. Every one of the major English translations used the same phrase, last hour. Every one of them. So there's this, last, there's this time period of the last hour. What do you think that means? Has the Holy Spirit revealed the truth to you? What's the truth? Time is running out. If it were the last hour then, what is it now? Remember last week, in the context, don't do it. Don't trade today for the last day. And we are way into the last hour today. The last hour began on the day of Pentecost when the church began. We've been in the countdown since that day. And during that time, there are two spirit forces on the earth trying to communicate to the inhabitants of planet earth. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth, and he's going to tell you what I want you to hear. But understand, John says in the last days, in the last hour, there's a spirit of antichrist, and he is also communicating the lie to you. There are two spirits speaking two words. One is true, one's a lie. And this is how we know we're in the last hours. Why? Now listen carefully. We're 2,000 years right now into this last hour. And it's interesting to me that there was 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. If you go back in the Bible, you know, you can put together a timeline that because of the ages that are listed in the Old Testament. There's 2,000 years about, I'm not going to say exactly, God knows, 2,000 years from Abraham, uh, from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from um, Abraham to Jesus, and 2,000 years from Jesus to today. Some of you might say, well, what does that really mean and why do I care? Listen carefully. 2,000, Adam to Abraham. 2,000, Abraham to Jesus. 2,000, Jesus to now. 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. In the Bible, it says a day unto the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, okay? So is that just symbolism or is that how God might just view creation itself? Is that how God might view the world in which we live today? If a day in the Lord is like a thousand years, then how many days has it been for us today? Six days, right? 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. And what happened in creation? And on the seventh day, God rested. So on the seventh day, that would be a thousand years of rest. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, I've studied uh, much in the Jewish culture, the orth Orthodox Jewish culture. That's the people with the, the long black clothes. The Orthodox Jewish people firmly believe that, that when the earth reaches its 6,000th year, finishes its 6,000th year, when it reaches seven, there will be 1,000 years of rest. They call it the Messianic age. They call it the Lord's Sabbath because what's going to happen is the same thing that happened in the beginning of creation will be how it ends. 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, six, now one, 
is a time of rest. Now, if the Orthodox Jewish people call it the Messianic age. Now, if you're a Christian, we call it something else. We call it the Messianic kingdom of Christ. When he says, and he will reign on this earth for a thousand years. And it would be the Lord's Sabbath, the Lord's rest, the time in which the earth would rest from all the trials of the first 6,000 years. Now, interesting that during the last 2,000 years, so what's the point? Here we go. 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. We live in the last 2,000, which is the church age, and we've got two spirits in this time frame. We have the spirit of Antichrist. This is how you know you're in the last hours. And we have what Jesus calls the spirit of truth, revealing Jesus. But there's another voice revealing the work of Satan, the spirit, <clears throat> the spirit of Antichrist. Romans chapter 13. The Apostle Paul, that we're reading from John, right? The Apostle Paul, he brings it up too. How do we know we're in the last hour? And what does the last hour mean? So the Apostle Paul, Romans 13, says this. This is all more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. See, Paul and John understood that when the day of Pentecost, when the church age began, it would, rain, it would run itself down until the time of the reign of the king, until the time when Jesus would return. Time is running up and running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Now, Paul writes also to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4. Here's what he says. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. So when is that going to happen? In the last days. So we've got this 2000, 2000, 2000. And in the last 2000, Jesus is going to communicate through the Holy Spirit. But there's this demonic power that's also going to communicate. Notice what he says. That in the last times, many will turn away from the true faith. What's John say? They've left our churches because the spirit of Antichrist. And that's what tells you we're in the last days. They were with us, but they're not with us anymore. That's his context, John's context of the spirit of Antichrist. They will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits, teachings that come from demons. Those people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Let me tell you what the dead conscience things mean. You can tell them the truth. You can live the truth. You can put the truth all the way around them, and they will never see the truth. They can't do it. They can't see it. And Peter, he brings it up too. So we got John, we got Paul, Peter, 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of the world's coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Don't do it. Every one of them are saying the same thing. Don't do it. Don't trade today for the last day. And we are way into the last days, right? Some of you thinking, oh, how do you know? Listen, don't do it. Don't trade today for the last days, for the last day. And we're way into this last hours. 
Now, for the main topic today, when John, in that context, in that context, they were with the church and they left the church. This is how we know we're in the last hour. This is how we know the spirit of Antichrist. Let me repeat verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. It's not coming. It's here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now, that's a future and that's a person. The Antichrist, if you, it's a capital A. He's a person. You have heard that, that he's coming. The Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, from what? From the presence and the work of the Antichrist. From this, you can know that the last hour, 2000, 2000, 2000, is here. From this. Do you know why you won't find the word Antichrist in the Old Testament, even though it's referred to in the book of Daniel? Do you know why? Because the last hour had not started and the Christ had not yet come to the earth. You don't need an Antichrist until you have the real Christ. You don't need the spirit of Antichrist communicating until the spirit of Christ is communicating as well, as well at the same time. John announces three truths in one verse. Number one, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now let me make it clear. He is a man that will be inhabited, possessed by Satan himself. A man, a real man, looks like us. He will be inhabited, possessed by Satan himself. Number two, already many such antichrists have appeared. The spirit of antichrist has been at work opposing Christ since the time of Christ. The church age, 2000, 2000, 2000. This 2000 years from Pentecost to today, the spirit of Antichrist has been working alongside in opposition to the spirit of Christ. Third, from this we know that the last hour has come. The Antichrist activity on the earth proves, from John's perspective, proves we're in the last hour. Leading us to the time when the person of Antichrist will be revealed. And I believe, and I'll get into that later, I believe the person of Antichrist will be revealed right before Jesus comes. So let's go deeper. Let's begin this morning with the spirit of Antichrist. And then we'll move from that to the person of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is here to do exactly what the name describes. To oppose the work of Christ. To oppose the work of the church. To be against Christ. The holy work of Christ is the work of the church. So here's the next important point. The spirit of Antichrist has a word. He communicates to the mind and to the heart of the people of the earth. He has a word. It's a lie, but it's a word. He has a word. Jesus has a word. And he communicates through the Holy Spirit, 
that word into our hearts. So you got two words coming from two sources, from two powers, right? The spirit of Antichrist has a word. The spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit has a word. They both communicate. The spirit of Antichrist works in the demonic realm, demons who work under the power and the influence of a single source, Satan. Jesus clearly asked the Father, he prays to the Father before he goes to the cross, he clearly asked the Father to protect his followers in this 2000, 2000, 2000. He knew that in the church age, there would be the spirit of Antichrist, there would be opposition to everything that the church is going to do. Because the church is just the body of Christ, right? So we're just doing his will under the power of the spirit. So he knows we're going to face opposition from the spirit of Antichrist. So what does he do? He asked the Father to protect us from the evil one. And, and notice it's singular. It's one. John 17, 15. Jesus says, he's praying to his Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Because I want them to be the light of the world, right? So you can't take them out of the world. I'm not asking you, not now anyway. Now, now one day in the future, he will. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Evil one, one, one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. What's the con what was last week? Do not love this world. They, these followers of mine, they do not belong to this world. They live in the world. Don't take them off of the world, but they don't belong to the world any more than I do. So what will protect them? Oh, I like this part. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. I told you the spirit of Antichrist has a word. The spirit of Christ has a word. Teach them your word, which is truth. Now, if his word's truth, what's the other voice? It's the lie. But under that evil one, keep them, don't take them from the world. Protect them from the evil one. He's going to oppose them. How? How would I protect Teach them your word. Open their minds to understand the scriptures. How? When they open the book to read it, the Holy Spirit will show you what it means. Teach them your word. Now, under the evil one, there are many demons. Operating under the spirit and the power of Satan. The prince and ruler of demons. The prince of this dark world currently. In Mark 13, 22... Jesus says, for false messiahs, false prophets, who are they getting their word from? Are false messiahs and false prophets getting their word from the Holy Spirit? No, they're getting their word from the spirit of Antichrist, the other, the other voice. For false prophets and false messiahs will rise up and listen, listen church, they will perform signs and wonders so as to deceive. Now, if, it's, if they're real... Why do they have to deceive you? Because it's not real. So as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out. I've warned you about all this ahead of time. What? He's warning you that there are a group of people that are going to be listening to the other voice and they're going to come in opposition under the spirit of Antichrist to try to stop the church. 1 John 4.3. 
But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. You see, there's another voice. These people come and they, they, they tell you that Jesus is, is just a man or he was a good man. He's a good teacher, but he's not God, not God in the flesh. That person's not from God. If they're not from God, then who are they from? If they're not getting the word from God, then who are they getting the word from? Spirit of Antichrist. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world. And indeed, John said it's already here. Now, here comes the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 10. He says to the church, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. <laughs> so just in case you're thinking, I can have the world and I can have Jesus. I can have the Holy Spirit and I can have the unholy spirit of Antichrist. No, you can't. Let me just tell you, if that's what you're thinking, I can tell you which spirit you've got. You've got the spirit of Antichrist and you don't know it. Because the spirit of Christ would always know that Christ is not going to share you with Satan. He's not going to do it. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? So I want to repeat, because this one's, this one's one of the most revealing. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites, liars with consciences that are dead. Why? Because they're listening to the other voice. The spirit of Antichrist has been at work since the time of Christ. Satan opposing the work of Jesus. And the work of Jesus is carried out. Listen, in this 2000, 2000, 2000, in this 2000 we're living in, the work of Jesus, the work of God is carried out through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the church. That's how he's doing it in this time. Demons, evil spirits, working under the power and authority of the evil one, are, are also working in this 2000. And Jesus told you and I their method, kill, steal, destroy. That's what they're doing. The unholy spirit of Satan opposing the Holy Spirit of God in Christ. Thus the word anti Christ. This is how we know we are in the last hour. So there's the spirit of Antichrist, okay? Now, for the person of Antichrist. And today, I'm going to join with the Apostle John and say something. Listen carefully. The Antichrist is coming. He is. I don't know the day. I don't know the, the day of his arrival. I don't know. I'm not predicting dates. But if John can say it under the Holy Spirit, I can say it under the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you today, the person, the Antichrist, is coming. And he is a he. He is a man. Revelation says he is a beast. Dr. David Jeremiah describes him as the most despicable man that has ever walked on the earth. John calls him the Antichrist. But the prophet Daniel gave him several names. I counted six. Daniel gives him these names before the 2000 we live in began. Daniel, 500 years before Christ, says he calls him the little horn. 
a fierce king or master of intrigue, the prince, the ruler who is to come, the one who causes desolation, the king that does as he pleases, a king that does as he pleases. So let me take that last one from Daniel and actually read it to you. Daniel eleven thirty six. The king will do as he pleases. The Antichrist, when he comes, will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed. <gasps> the Antichrist, he will succeed, but only until the time of wrath. So if you've been coming to this Wednesday night uh, tribulation study, you'd understand what that means. He will, the Antichrist is coming. He will succeed. He will have a supernatural power. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. The seven-year tribulation for what has been determined will surely take place. The apostle Paul calls him the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, or the lawless one. King James Version calls him the man of perdition. Perdition. He will be a man, a ruler, a king, and he will have a name. Even though we don't know his name yet, and listen carefully, I believe, based on the scripture, I'll read it to you, that the true church will not know his name while we remain on this earth. So if you come into my office one day and say you've had a revelation and you know who the Antichrist is, I'm going to ask you to leave. <laughs> I don't want to hear because I don't care. Second, th why do I base that on? That's just not something coy that I say. I base that on the Scripture. Here, here's the thing. I believe that today, right now, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, as I read this book, reveals himself. He reveals truth. That's what he said he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. So, here's truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.5. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? By the way, this is 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians has the rapture of the church in it. So, I believe he's referring to when I told you about when I'm going to come and get you. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him back. Who's the him? You know what's holding the Antichrist back. For he can be revealed. He, the Antichrist, can be revealed only, number one, number one, only when his time comes. Who's going to decide that? God. For this lawlessness, here comes the spirit of Antichrist. This lawlessness is already at work secretly, right? The spirit of Antichrist is already working. And it will remain secret. What? This Antichrist identity. It will remain secret until the one that is, who is holding it back, the church, steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him by the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So you, are, you can say, well, I can go now. I'm finished. I saw those thing ends. Do you want to meet him? The Antichrist? I don't want to. Do you want to know his name? I don't. You know why? Because I already have a king. I'm not looking for another one. He will likely come out of European descent out of what we formerly knew as the Roman Empire, 
And you've probably heard people say that your whole life, likely a, a Roman um, descendant, a Gentile, more than likely. And I want to read to you why we would even guess such a thing. Nobody knows for sure, but it kind of leans in this direction. Daniel 9, 26. Daniel says, after the pro period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, which is Jesus, will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Now, Daniel's prophecy is 500 years before Christ, and he's prophesying that from the world's perspective, Jesus is going to come down across and it'll look like nothing happened. It'll look like, well, he, he's not king. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. He's not the king, right? Appearing to have accomplished nothing. Now, here it comes. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Jesus will die, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise uh, whose armies will destroy Jerusalem and Jerusalem's temple. And the end will come with a flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time, from that time to the very end. After Jesus, the anointed one, was crucified, who destroyed Jerusalem and who destroyed the temple? I'm talking about 70 A.D. The Romans, under Emperor Titus, did both. He destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem's temple in 70 A.D. Thus, many believe the Antichrist will come out of Europe or come from European descent, a European Gentile, because this, 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 this scripture leads one to believe that he will replicate Titus, that Titus was like a shadow of the real Antichrist to come. He will come in power. He will come in the 70th week, the time of Jacob's trouble, because it says from that time to the very end, which I believe to be the description of the seven-year tribulation. Now let's go to Daniel 8, 23. At the end of their rule, and you need to understand what their rule is. This is the Gentile kingdoms of men. That would be now, okay? Gentiles are ruling the kingdoms of earth, right? At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, that could be now, a fierce king, a master of intrigue will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He'll be a man. He'll become worldwide strong, but not by his own power. Why? He's inhabited by Satan but not by his own power. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction. That'll be the tribulation. And succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders. And that's nations. When you see he's destroying powerful leaders, he's destroying powerful nations on the earth during the tribulation under his reign as king for seven years. And he will devastate the holy people. Now, I'm convinced the holy people is a direct reference to the Jews, which is the reason for the tribulation. He's trying to draw them back to Christ, to the Messiah during the tribulation. The beast called in Revelation, the Antichrist hates the Jewish people. He will devastate the holy people, Daniel prophesies. So let's pause and reflect for a moment. The church is the restrainer of evil on the earth because the church is the body of Christ, the spirit of Christ, and the light of the world in the last days. The church right now 
It's holding back the power of Satan that will inhabit a man known as the Antichrist. But when the church is caught up to be with the Lord, listen. But when the church is caught up to be with the Lord, a spiritual vacuum will be filled with darkness and the revealing of the Antichrist. He will be very handsome, I believe. I, he will be boastful, very smart, a master of intrigue, the things that the world finds impressive, and the world will gladly, happily, rejoicing, follow him straight into the darkness. Daniel seven twenty. I also ask about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterward and destroyed three of the other horns. This horn, the little horn, this is the Antichrist. This horn had seemed greater than the other horns. These are rulers. This horn seemed greater than the others. It had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. He won't come to power by force, but intrigue. A supernatural dark power will be inside of him. He will come by cunning and intrigue, and he will come under the power, listen, under the power of Satan himself. And Satan has power. Daniel 8, 25. He will be a master of deception. Now, just recently, I kept having this thought. All this deception, all this trickery, all this false this. Why, if he's real, if he's the real deal, why does he have to trick you? Why does he, if he is, if he is the king who can give you what your heart desires, why does he have to deceive you? That ought to be your first giveaway. Because he's not. He will be the master of deception. He will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle. And, but he will be broken, but not by human power, because humans can't break him. Daniel eleven twenty one. The next to come to power will be the despicable man. That's him. Who is not in the line of royal succession. He will come out of nowhere. Listen. He will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. He, Revelation calls him the beast, the antichrist. Let's just say it. He's godless. Of course he is. He is inhabited by Satan and Satan is godless. Revelation 13, 6. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple. That is those who live in heaven. The beast is so arrogant, the Antichrist is so arrogant and so God-hating that he will not allow the worship of any other gods except himself. Now, I, I laugh when I say that because Jesus has announced clearly that the single source of all the opposition to God that we know is from Satan. Protect them from the evil one. So back when you read the Old Testament and they worship the Baals and they worship the Asherah and Moloch, who do you think all of those were under? They're all under Satan, right? They're all under Satan. But when this Antichrist comes, he's going to become so arrogant, so filled with himself in power 
that even you can't even worship Baal anymore. You can't even worship Asherah. You can't worship Zeus, Apollo. You can't worship Moloch. Any of the gods that the people of the world worshiped before, Buddha, not anymore. You worship me. See what he's doing? His power. He's so arrogant, so God-hating, he's not going to allow any other gods. Daniel eleven thirty-seven. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors. <laughs> Baal ought to be disappointed. He'll have no respect for the gods of his ancestors or for the God loved by women. A lot of people think, what does that mean? You know, Tammuz in the Old Testament. Remember when, when in the time of Jeremiah, these women were worshiping the God of heaven. He will have no respect for, for his God of his ancestors, for the God loved by women, or for any other God. And he will boast that he's greater than them all. Worship me. In his arrogance, he will allow the Jews. Here's where it gets interesting. And here's where it gets timely. In his arrogance, he will allow the Jews to rebuild the Jerusalem temple so that he may use it as his own throne announcing that he alone is God from the place, the most disputed territory on planet earth, the Temple Mount. In Daniel 9, 27, here's what it says. The ruler, he's the Antichrist, will make a treaty with the people of Israel. I'm inserting Israel. The Antichrist will make, he will be in world power, okay? Listen, by this time he has gained world power. He's the man. All the kingdoms are bowing to him. He will make a treaty with the people of Israel for a period of one set of seven. But after half that time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offering. Now pause for a moment. One set of seven. He will make a treaty with Israel for seven years. Seven years. But after half of that time, after three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, he will put an end to animal sacrifices and offering at the Jerusalem temple. Now, bear in mind something. The Jews will not, will not do animal sacrifices outside of the Jerusalem temple. It would be idolatry. The only place, the, the animal sacrifices for the Jewish people stopped in 70 AD when the temple was burned down by Titus. They haven't done animal sacrifices, not like because they've got to be in the temple. So there is no way that this Antichrist, three and a half years into the tribulation, is going to stop animal sacrifices that haven't already started. So that means that the temple would have had to have been rebuilt for them to start animal sacrifices for him to be able to stop them. And that brings up an interesting point. I wonder how many of you saw this week, there's a big news that's going around the world about that these red heifers have been shipped into Israel. And I got goosebumps when I said the red heifer, and I'm not really into red heifers, in case you're wondering. But the, the thing is this, that one of the things necessary to, to reinstate the, the temple in Jerusalem is they have to take the ashes of a certain very distinct red heifer and burn those ashes to be able to sanctify the temple so it could be used for worship again. And those animals, there were five of them, I guess in case one of them dies or something, they brought them over and the Jewish people, they have sanctified them and it's ready to go. 
do you think when I preached this sermon today that I called ahead and see if they could get some cows shipped into Israel? <laughs> I'm going to go back and start 27. And I'm going to insert the word. The Antichrist will make a treaty with Israel for a period of seven years, but after three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offering in the rebuilt Jerusalem temple. And as a climax to his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration inside the Jerusalem temple until the fate decreed for this defiler has been poured out on him. And that's when Jesus comes. A treaty with Israel. For what and to do what? And many believe this treaty will be a way to make the Jews rebuild the Jerusalem temple. And I believe this takes place after the rapture of the church. Maybe some work could be done beforehand. It's being done right now. Quite frankly, I've told you multiple times. I've been to Israel twice, both times. I went to the Temple Institute, and both times I saw all the things necessary to rebuild the Jerusalem temple with my own eyes. I saw them all priestly garments, everything, the menorah, all of it. I saw it all. And you need to understand something too. It's an interesting perspective that you think of rebuilding the temple as being a, something that would take years, right? You think, well, I've seen what the, thought the temple looked like, but you need to understand from the time of Moses to the time of King Solomon, the temple was a tent. It was a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, they offered animal sacrifices in the Ark of the Covenant. Everything that was in the, the, the Jerusalem temple was in that tabernacle. So don't be deceived that it has to be a building, building. It might be, I don't know. It could also be a tent, and I feel like they could put that up pretty quick. Interesting. The treaty is for a period of one seven. Seven years in the midst of the seven, the beast, who is a liar, will break the treaty. Stop the animal sacrifices and offerings so that, that the Jews have, re, have begun again in the temple. And Jesus, in case you're struggling with some of this stuff, I got to tell you, Jesus quotes Daniel. That's all you need to hear. Jesus, 500 years after, quotes Daniel's prophecy in his Olivet Discourse. And the Apostle Paul also quotes it. So let me read Jesus' description of the same event that Daniel prophesies as future. Matthew 24, 15, the day is coming. So Jesus is saying it's a future time. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration of the temple, standing in the holy place. That's, that's the temple in Jerusalem. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get your coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women, for nursing mothers in those days, and pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish. There's the tribulation. There will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. It will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, which I believe is a reference to the Jews during the tribulation. You know what Jesus said to do when you're in Jerusalem, when this begins to happen? 
run. That's it? Run. Don't come back. Run. Get out. Pay attention and run. Three characters are revealed by the Scripture. Some people call them the unholy trinity. You need to understand that Satan wants the throne of God. Do you understand all of this? He's the adversary. He wants to ascend to the heights of the mountain. He wants the throne of God. So he in the Revelation is called the dragon. There's a beast that comes out of the sea. He's called the Antichrist. And there's a beast that comes out of the earth, and he's the, he's the false prophet. But understand, there's this unholy trinity. The dragon is the false god. The beast is the false Christ. The Antichrist is a false Christ. And the false prophet is the false Holy Spirit. Revelation 13, 1. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. This is the Antichrist. It had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, here's where this is so important. And the dragon, who is Satan, gave the beast, a man, a man. Satan gave the beast, this man, the Antichrist, his own power, are you with me? His throne and great authority. He gives it to a man. You understand how he can do what he does, this Antichrist. The dragon, Satan, gives the beast his authority over the earth that he took from Adam. This beast, like the dragon, will persecute and pursue the saints of the Most High. And if the church has already departed from the earth, this is a direct reference to two groups of people. Tribulation saints, those who can possibly come to Christ during the tribulation and the Jewish people, which I believe is the emphasis of the gospel during the tribulation. Daniel 7, 21. And as I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people, against the Jews, and was defeating them until the ancient one, Oh, oh, until the ancient one, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. I could go three weeks on those two verses, but I'm not going to. So listen. The Antichrist is making war during the tribulation on the Jewish people around the world. He's defeating them. They are dying. Read Zechariah 14. It's a mess. They're dying everywhere. They're at their end until the ancient one, the Most High, came and judged on, in favor of the holy people. Listen, and then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. What is that? The thousand years that will come when Jesus comes to rescue Israel. It's right there. That's 500-year prophecy before Christ. The beast, the Antichrist, waging war. He's in charge of almost everything, including commerce, buying, and selling. Can you see right now? Everything in this world right now, the pandemic, 
has set in motion a series of events where none of this will be difficult. Can you see how we can get one world government? Can you see how we can get this one world currency? Can you see how everything in the world through this pandemic has now been changed so that this guy could just walk straight onto the stage? And if the church were to depart, they would welcome him. They would escort him to the stage. In the tribulation, you will either bow to this beast, you will either bow to this antichrist, or you will die. But there's one big problem to bowing, taking this mark of ownership. If you bow to the antichrist, you are actually bowing to Satan himself. You need to understand something. Bowing to him is bowing to the one who has taken possession of him, Satan. And if you bow to him and take this mark, you are forever lost in hell because you will receive the judgment of the dragon. You will receive the judgment of the beast, and you will receive the judgment of the false prophet. You will get what they get because you join them. Can I stop right now and say this? You had better think deeply and decide which God you plan to follow. I think it was in this point in the first service, I just had something come over me and I said this. I, I need to be fair. Say it again. If you believed any part of this message today, you would fall on your face before God. And in the reality is, I'm a realist. All right, I'm a realist. There are a lot of people sitting in this room watching me online right now that in your heart of hearts, you're saying, that's not going to happen. It's on you. It will not be on me. The Antichrist is coming. Do not love this world or the thing that it offers you. For if you do, the love of God is not in you. Revelation 13, 3. I saw that one of the heads of the beast, the Antichrist, seemed wounded beyond recovery. But the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They love him. They worship the dragon, Satan, for giving the beast such power. They love Satan. They love this beast, the Antichrist. And they also worship the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? And then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. He was given authority. He was given authority. Who's given it to him? Says dragon. No, 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 no. God is giving him this authority for seven years. He's allowing him to go unleashed. He was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and a half years, inside of the seven-year tribulation. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, that is, those who live in heaven. And the beast was allowed, was allowed. He's getting this, he's letting him loose. He was allowed to wage war over God's holy people and to conquer them. He was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. You understand this is worldwide. 
and all the people who belong to this world, who belong to this world, worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Can anybody hear me today? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken for prison. There is a point of no return. Church, listen to me. There is a day, a point of no return. I'm about to read it to you. There is a place in which it is too late. There is a place that if you cross this line, you can't come back. I don't know where that is. Listen. Anyone who, verse 10, anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. There's a place inside this series of events that destined, you, you have crossed a line. You're, you're not coming back. That's why today, today is the day of salvation. Today, if he calls your voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. Today. And then this last verse, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution. Church, 2000, 2000, 2000. As we get to the end of this 2000, when the Antichrist is about to be revealed and the church is about to be taken out, the church, if Jesus tarries, the church is going to face incredible opposition because the world is listening to the other spirit. And when they listen to the other spirit, you are the problem. If we could get rid of these Christians... The world will celebrate when we're gone because we're their problem. We're holding back their enlightenment. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Who is like the beast? That's what the world says. Who's like the Antichrist? He has power, signs, and wonders. Who's like the beast? But here comes the big question. Where did the beast get his power? Is he the origin? Somebody would say, well, Satan gave the beast. Satan gave the Antichrist his power. Is he the origin of power and authority? No. He got power from Satan. So what is the truth about the origin of power? Who is the creator and source of life? Who is the creator and source of power? You better figure out how to answer this question. Which power is true? Which power is counterfeit? You better figure that out because your life and your soul hang in the balance today. 2 Thessalonians 2.9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power. Don't read over those words. He's coming to do the work of Satan, but it's a counterfeit power. It's counterfeit signs and counterfeit miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception. It's the same idea. If it's true, why does he have to deceive you? To fool those on the way to destruction. They refuse. Why are they on the way to destruction? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth, and I'm holding it, that would have saved you. This would have saved you. You could have read this, and the Holy Spirit would have revealed to you Christ that would have saved you. But you didn't have time. You, you didn't have time. The world sucked you into the other word. And you didn't have time for this. So who is like the beast? Don't do it. Today I implore you, don't love this world. Don't do it. What lies, what truth, 
Neither the dragon nor the beast can give life. Are you with me? Listen, the dragon, Satan, the beast, the antichrist, they can't give you life. They can take your life, but they can't give you life. They can't do it. Remember when the two witnesses lay in the streets for three days all around the world and under the deception of the dragon and the they were celebrating. When you read Revelation, their, their bodies are laying there and they're exchanging Christmas gifts. While they're celebrating that they're gone. And what happened at the end of their celebration? Those two witnesses stood up. Life happened. Life happened. And the, the two witnesses began to breathe the breath of life, and they were raptured into heaven. And there was horror that fell across the spirit of Antichrist because life happened. We killed them, and they had life. Satan can't do that. The Antichrist can't do that. Life doesn't belong to the dragon. Life doesn't belong to the Antichrist. Life belongs to God. Someone once said this about the Antichrist, take all the sins of the world, press them into one human mold. And out of that mold will come a man of lawlessness, the ultimate man of sin, filled with the origin of sin itself. And what does God have planned for this man of lawlessness? This Antichrist, the beast from the sea? What about the dragon? Do we have to guess about their future? Jesus is going to kill the beast that comes out of the sea. Jesus is going to take his life away from him. He has the power of life. The apostle Paul met with Jesus face to face on the Damascus road. He was also taken up to the third heaven. And in the third heaven, Paul saw things unspeakable. This is unspeakable. And this is unstoppable. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. The Antichrist will have a temporary reign in a temporary kingdom until he meets the eternal king. Jesus is going to kill him, but I want you to listen carefully to what that really means. Jesus will destroy the Antichrist by showing up. That's how Paul describes the end of the beast. What? He just shows up. He just shows up. He didn't come with a nuclear weapon. He didn't come with, with some kind of a special tool. He just shows up. Kill him. Jesus will kill him. Death. What does that mean? Because here comes the closing. Kill him. What does it mean for the Antichrist? What does it mean for the beast? What does that mean for you? To die. What does it mean? What is death anyway? I want you to listen how the Apostle John puts it in Revelation. What is death? Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, and he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him with white robes. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. 
And then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky. Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings. Come and eat the flesh of generals and strong warriors, horses and the riders, and all of humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast. I saw the Antichrist and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the white horse and his army. And the beast, the Antichrist, was captured. And with him the false prophet that did mighty miracles on behalf of the Antichrist. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth, from the mouth, the word, from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on their dead bodies. Thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their bodies were killed. Listen, church. And they were thrown alive into hell. Who is like the beast now? The beast from the sea, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist is a man and that man's body will be killed by Jesus at his coming. But that man's soul, that man's soul will be cast into hell. For how long? Who is like the beast? Revelation 20.10. Then the devil who had, been, who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night. For how long? Forever. Say it out loud. Forever. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Who is like the beast? Do you know the truth about the Antichrist? You do now. And what will you do with this truth? Because today I'm telling you, the Antichrist is coming. The world has been prepared. Everything necessary. If you can't see the signs right now, then you are spiritually blind. The Spirit of Christ is truth. And the Word of God is truth. And the truth is here today. The Spirit of Antichrist is also here today. That voice inside of you that says, don't believe it. That voice inside of you that says, this is really not going to happen. It's an allegory. It's just fancy talk from somebody a long time ago. But it's not the Word of God. It's the Word of men who talk about God. Then you're listening to the other voice and rejecting the Holy Spirit. What is truth? Who is truth? And what will you do with this truth today? The Antichrist is coming. Jesus is coming. And don't do it. Don't trade today for the last day. One last scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. He'll use every kind of evil deception to fool those on the way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would have saved them. Is that going to be you today? You refuse to love and accept the truth that would have saved you. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe these lies of the spirit of Antichrist and they'll be condemned. They'll be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth 
And the horrible thing is that God's love and mercy sent somebody to tell you the truth. Dear children, the last hour is here. Dear children, the Antichrist is coming. Dear children, the last hour is here. Don't trade today for the last day. I'll ask Chad to come on now. Most of you are aware that I send out a weekly blog. And um, I send out a weekly email. And if, if you're not getting it and you'd like to get it, all you got to do is send me an email and I'll put you on my list. Or you can go to our website and just go over there and you can see Minister's Blog and click it if you want to. Tomorrow, I've already done it. I uh, did it uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm going to send out something about the Feast of Trumpets. I've been sending it out every year. I've updated it and I'm sending it out tomorrow morning. And here's why. This next Sunday night at dark, the Jewish people will celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. It's a huge event and uh, I'm not going to get into detail. You need to read tomorrow's email. Something's happening in this world. Something's happening. I, I don't, there's, a, there's some kind of a major event that's about to take place. The Holy Spirit is preparing the church. There's a sense of urgency to the Word, and the Spirit's telling us to be urgent, being very, very specific in His calling. Now, I was in the first service. The young lady you saw me baptize uh, after the song service this morning, she comes to me after the first service. She's just crying. She said, I've been in church my whole life, and today nothing has ever affected me like this. She said, I see now what I could never see before. So he's doing something. God's not willing that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if you read, listen, I'm asking you, you need to read what I sent out. Read it tomorrow. And you need to figure out who you are. You need to figure out what you believe. You need to decide who you belong to. Do not love this world or the things this world offers you. For if you choose that, you choose death. You choose death. And the church, listen, here's why I'm going through this. The church has become worldly. It's the truth. The church has become worldly. You're worried about this world, and this world is passing away. The darkness is disappearing, and the true light has begun to shine. The invitation is open. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you today, don't walk out that door until you've answered him. Let's stand.